Keith, we're in Seattle. What are you going to do on your day off? Maybe chew some gum to add to the wall. <laughs> gum wall. <laughs> to the nasty-ass gum wall. I'm going to watch them throw salmon. Yes. Flinging, the flinging of the salmon. The flinging of the salmon. Excellent. That sounds like a great day. Are you going down there? Maybe tomorrow. Yeah. To the, the place of Pike. three-chord songs. (laughs) So we had a show in Seattle, which was awesome. I hadn't been to Seattle in a couple of years. Um, lovely city. Love it. Um, definitely rainy and cold, but, um, still really great. And, um, the day of the show was pretty cold. We were playing at the ballpark, um, which isn't, you know, it's not fully enclosed. They can close the top, but not the sides. So it was definitely pretty chilly. Um, but at this point I had my carbon fiber cello with me, so I didn't even have to worry about the temperature, but, um, Anyway, so it, it was a great day, just chilly. And um, at one point when I was uh, warming my toes in catering, uh, I got to talk to Brian Kehue. All right. Hello, Brian. Hello there. Beaky. Yep. Now I think of you as Beaky because of Instagram. That's true. <laughs> Um, I think so Pete talked about it one time too. And he said, I won't be posting, or I'm not posting enough. You have to follow Beaky, which is again just weird that people know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell people who you are? Who I am, Brian Kehue. Kehue. From Los Angeles, California. Excellent. And um, where are we today? Today is the T-Mobile Park. It's a huge baseball stadium in Seattle. Excellent. And. Um, and it's cold. Yeah. (laughs) Are you starting to feel your toes a little bit better? It's not Chicago cold, but it's cold. It's like kind of, it's, I like how uh, Seattle in October is kind of like on par temperature wise with Chicago in May, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a similar feel and they're both kind of moist and wet, which adds to the clingy feel of us trying to... The icky feeling. You know, it's not brutal and it's not that bad so the show will be fine it's just going to keep everybody awake and a little bit on the edge a little a little perkier than they want to be um, yeah so um what uh can you tell people a little bit about what you do on the tour mm. the main job uh, began as keyboard tech which means setting up and programming or fixing keyboard things that need doing mm-hmm. um so I am taking care of the keyboards, which involves setting them up, making sure the programs are right, making sure everything sounds good. And while we do have important keyboard parts with the Who, it's not the main function of the show. It's not that heavy, so there's not that much to do with it. Therefore, I've been given other jobs to do. Right now, we have a playback system on a normal Who show. That's four or five songs, like Bob O'Reilly has a backing track, Won't Get Pulled Again, mm-hmm. Eminence Front, Who Are You has a track. Um, those are the ones from Pete working in the studio in the 60s and early 70s, layering and doing combination parts that we're just used to doing. And then 
And aside to those, on this particular tour, we have the click tracks, which need to be played for virtually every song for the orchestra to follow along so that the orchestra, who maybe really can't hear the guitar parts and the drums to find out where the rhythms are, they can hear a click track in the small headphones they're using. Especially then, in these big spaces where the sound isn't necessarily like... It's certainly not going directly at the players. Yeah, it's washy and mushy. And, it, you know, bouncing back off a wall could be a half second, a full second later. Yeah. If you hear a drum beat or a vocal or something, it can really throw you off. So you need to stare at that sheet music and play <laughs> the beats as they're written. Yeah. And then hopefully watch the conductor now and then for the special moments. Mm-hmm. And then that's what happens. So the playback has become a very important part and a lot more work on this show. Yeah. Then... Um, Another part which is easier on this tour is the pre-show screens. They used to be just blank. When people came in, it would say The Who for like an hour and a half, two hours of boring nothing. <laughs> and so our previous video guy, Gianni, and I thought it was rather dull. Can't we use that for something better? First idea was to like some news daily something, and we thought oh, that would be boring and depressing. So we decided to do stories about the who and pictures of the who like uh on the previous tour there was a fashion section and a section of <laughs> the who with dogs because they all had pets oh and different pictures and there was a section of that would be my favorite section yeah it was cool <laughs> there were so many pictures of them with dogs and they've all had dogs over time and then we had a you know the fashion section there's a section on keith moon a section on john Entwistle, and different things to remind people that you're about to see the who it's a uh, you know remembrance of the past and some present stuff too we brought it very modern as well and then also for last year because we had a special video we got dedicated we could write up each night and saying we're in cleveland tonight the who has played here 12 times starting in 1968 here's the set list from 1968 here's pictures oh, from yeah. the show and it would be, we welcome to Cleveland these people and so forth. That we had special friends there or something. To Each night had a, a minimal but simple um, custom thing built for the night. But we don't have a opportunity to do that now. So we have right now a, a set of 800 plus Who slides. All wow. these pictures. Some of them are the crew. Some are Pete and Roger at every different period. Some of them are funny. Some of them are very serious. Some of them are just a guitar or some of the set list or something it's just a cool slideshow that goes through to get really, people like, ready underlines like the longevity of, of the band of their music um, it's gone and, and gets people excited like I hear people cheering like during the slideshow they're like ah. it's interesting we have one right now a memorial for Alan Rogan our, our main roadie and head of the stage band crew yeah um, Alan was with them since 1976 78 era yeah. and so Every tour, pretty much, and you know, just always there on the side of the stage or even behind Pete Sampson. The early days, you can see him standing there looking. But Alan passed away this year, and so we decided to put up a three-minute thing with pictures of him with Ronnie Wood, pictures of him with Pete, pictures of him with all of us, and and you know, so many famous people knew him and loved him. He was almost as famous as the people he worked with. Yeah. So Alan Rogan always is recognized by some of the Who fans, and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And you also set out my chair and my strap for Behind Blue part. Eyes. I know that's I know it's a thing that we didn't expect, but they had Behind Blue Eyes was a, a move across stage where you're not sitting in your same place. You have to move mm-hmm. to center stage, literally, in front of the drums right behind Roger and Pete, and then playing with them, but it requires a chair, and the chair <laughs> needs to be not sitting there the whole show. They, yeah. they need to have room, so I bring it out, and then there's a cello strap, which keeps the cello from sliding the pin on the bottom, yeah. and so that attaches it to the chair. 
And Quite I think possibly that's, the most important part of the show. Well, it is if we don't have it. <laughs> if we don't have it standing up and playing, it'd be very hard. But I think it's, it's again, it keeps... Uh, it's a visual and it's a move on stage and it's something different than this. And when Roger and Peter are in the same place, the drums are in the same place, the whole show. Yeah. Why not have something else change? And we have limited options with a full orchestra to do anything different. Even the set list can't change that much. So yeah. it's nice to have the behind blue eyes uh, concept. And because you guys are with us, mm-hmm. you and Katie, um, you're not the local union musicians that we don't have to give the 20 minute break that would be required. We can't require them to play in the middle of our show. They have to go away. Uh, otherwise, there'd be big problems with the union. So we have a moment to have a smaller string moment, which is really nice to keep this tour different than all other tours. Yeah, for sure. And it's a you know simple arrangement. doesn't change the song much, but it adds to it. So it's good. Yeah. What are your favorite ones to play on the show? Oh, my gosh. Um, obviously, I love Behind Blue Eyes. Um, I really... Um, I love uh, love love rain or me. Yeah, that one's great. That one's epic. Um, Eminence front, like just the feel of it is really really great and really really satisfying. Um, it's a great tune. I think maybe some people might not have heard this version of it because we've always had a version of Eminence front, which is a fairly kind of groove, the most grooving song the Who does. You know, mm-hmm. it's more beat based than. I do love a groove and more chordal and structure. But with this version, they've added the orchestral arrangement that sounds like an old cop show or <laughs> or, or something like that. It's yeah. not like a spy movie. And so it, it added a different flavor to that song that we never had before in there. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's Pete playing crazy guitar and yeah. singing wildly. It really becomes a moment. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Beaky. Good. I'm glad we did it. Every now and then, um, some of the guys, like guitar techs, people doing sound checks, people feel a little extra inspired to just sing a little ditty, sing a little tune about our good friend Chopper, who's in sound. We just want to sing about him all day long. So here is Simon Law and a couple other guys singing about Chopper. Everyone died. So at our Seattle show, um, 
if you don't know this already, um, the the Who and well, Pete and Roger have been really good friends with Eddie Vedder for a long time, and sort of as like a surprise appearance, Eddie uh, came out and and sang "Punk and the Godfather," which is part of Quadrophenia. He came out and sung that and sang that with Pete and Roger, and it was so great. It was so much fun, and Eddie Vedder is the nicest person in the history of people. For our Vancouver show, um, Eddie actually, we weren't really sure until kind of like the night before, maybe the morning of, if Eddie was going to be able to make it to the Vancouver show. But he wanted to do it. He wanted to come back and do Punk the Godfather. Um, So it ended up working out. It was great. And like I said before, Eddie is the nicest person in the history of people. And he saw me and recognized me and waved at me, except he waved at me in this way that was like waggling his fingers. And it was more like he was putting the whammy on me than than waving at me so much. And it was the greatest moment in my life. So. So when I was in Vancouver, um, the night of the show, um, sometimes you got to do like a last minute little coffee run before your show or just like at least get out of the arena where you're at and you just need to get out and like get some air and not be a mole person living in this arena anymore for like five minutes. Um, so I ran out with uh, these two sound guys, my buddies, uh, Sean Tingle and Tom Lawn. Uh, for a minute. They're, they're sound guys, but they're also self-proclaimed cello techs. And they make sure that nobody makes um, overly prolonged eye contact with me when it's not warranted. Um, they make sure that the steps up to the stage are clean enough for me to walk on with my shoes. Um, and they just uh, generally look out for my well-being. Just. In, in addition to being my cello techs, what what do you guys do? What's your job? Here we go. What? Tom. Tom is to think about you at all times. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, you've been failing at that. Oh, <laughs> no, but what's your actual job? What do you do? Why why are you on the sewer? Why why should we bother to care who you are? I run feeder. You run feeder? What does that mean? Really heavy cable. It makes my biceps look really good. <laughs> makes your arms look swole. Yeah. Tom, what do you do? I uh, fly the PA and look after the orchestra. Excellent. Okay. We're really just comic relief for the tour. <laughs> Excellent. And what other tours have you guys done? Is it Drake? Did Drake? Yeah. What? Where's Tom going? <laughs> oh. Kind of gross out. <laughs> I've done. Uh, here, I'll list it off. Thank you. Here we go. I've done Drake, uh-huh. uh, Winter, OAR, the uh, did the Who. I did a couple things with Eminem uh-huh. and Logic. Right. What else have I done? I've done a ton of festivals. Oh, you know. Shit. 
Um, people call me the send daddy, you know, because I just send it. you send it? I send it 24-7. You send it all day, every day. Yeah, copyright impending. <laughs> Are you going to be with us in the UK or are you quitting touring forever? I'm not quitting touring forever. I may be with you in the UK. Okay. Well, that's fine. Depends if it lines up with everything. All the other things you have going on? But I want to come back. Yeah, exactly. I'm very busy. Very busy. You're just very busy and important. <laughs> I've heard that about you. What, that I'm very busy? That you're very busy and important. He's starting a yoga shop. Ooh! On this tour, yeah, exactly. On this tour, it pretty much goes Roger, Pete, me. You can <laughs> not put that on there. <laughs> Actually, I think it goes Pete, Roger, me. <laughs> I think it's the other way around. And Tingle, you don't know if you're going to be in the UK or not? I probably will not. Lame. Just not, uh, Fuck. not worth the cost. You know, I'm, I'm expensive, like, I need first class. All that sending is just really yeah. expensive. Um, I understand. In, in my rider, mm -hmm. there's a mandatory at least three Starbucks a day. <laughs> uh, and that really breaks the bank for a band like The Who. Yeah, you know? it does. It's not a drop in the bucket, those three Starbucks no, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a big issue I'm trying to t tackle for all roadies on the road. They I should at least you. get three Starbucks a day. It's at least. True. You could be their advocate. Exactly. Okay. I'm starting a union. <laughs> Aren't you in a union? I actually am not. Are you not? I'm not. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They can use and abuse me all they want. And oh. I can't do anything. They do. They use and abuse they do. We are all used and abused. Actually, you guys are. I'm really not. She bougie. I'm bougie. All right, guys. I'm going to put this away before it gets too wet. Sort of a last interview that I got um, while we were in the, well, I say the Pacific Northwest. It's the Pacific Northwest to us in America, but I guess it's sort of the Pacific Southwest to Canada. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I got a last interview uh, with Bill Kerbishley, who's uh, been managing The Who for many, many years, and it was really, really great. Okay, let's go then. All right. Can you tell people who you are and, and what you do with The Who? Um, I'm Bill Kerbishley. I'm the manager of the band. And I guess my job description is that I do the unnecessary for the ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> not, uh, not bitter at all. Um, <laughs> um, and how long have you been working with, uh, with The Who? 49 years and counting. Oh my goodness, that's a long yeah, time. It's a long um, time. And so you've you've kind of seen it all. Um, in in what ways do you feel like this tour, um, both practical and not practical, obvious and not obvious? In what ways do you feel like this tour is different from some of the other ones that you've done? Well, it's different in the it's different in the sense that um, we've added a new added a new dimension, you mm -hmm. know, with the orchestra. And uh, with that in mind, <coughs> we dropped graphics and stuff like that mm -hmm. behind, you know, because I felt that that was redundant. <laughs> and I really think that the um, the orchestra acts as a backdrop. And right. You feel like that's a, yeah. a, a point of visual Absolutely. Engagement. And it looks so great when, when they do 
when the cameras do hit different members of the orchestra, it really looks good. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's added a new dimension really to their career and their stage act. And um, it's different, I guess, in the sense that who would have thought we'd still be doing it 50 years later? Yeah. You know? One thing and that people have definitely asked me is, is like, they don't, they, like, they don't have to go on tour anymore. Like, why are they doing it? And um, I mean, I assume it's just because they love the music and. Well, it's about passion, isn't it? I mean, I don't have to work as a manager, to be honest. I've had 50 years. I'm not mega, mega rich, but I'm comfortable enough to be able to say I could stop mm -hmm. for sure. But then what would I do as a result yeah. of that? You know, you can only play so much golf. You can only do so many things. <laughs> um, what do I do instead of that? So what I basically did, the decision I made a few years ago was that I wasn't so much going to look for new bands unless I saw something that re or an artist that really, really struck me. Oh, yeah. What I was going to do was focus on projects, you know, so... I made a few movies. Mm -hmm. um, I've got a few projects on the go at the moment. I'm waiting for a second draft of a script that's based around the life of Keith Moon, oh, wow. the drummer, but it's really a side door into the Who story. Um, I've got a, we're working on a Who musical, a proper theatrical musical. Oh my goodness. And the other project I'm working on is a TV series that's based around quadrophenia in as much as it hits and covers the mod era, but it runs a lot longer than the movie. The movie was only three days in the life of a mod. Mm -hmm. um, but this is going to go, go from really from 58, which was the advent and start of the mod, mod culture, through the 60s into the 70s and show all the cultural changes that occurred in, in the UK following the Second World War. Wow. And it was vast. Uh -huh. I mean, I was a Second World, World War baby. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I can still remember food rationing up to the age of 12. But what happened was um, the reaction in the UK after the Second World War was one of revolution in a way. Revolution in terms of advertising, fashion, music, you know, mm -hmm. that, that post-war period gave birth to the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, Pink Floyd, etc., 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 Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, that was just in music, but in fashion and advertising, it was huge. And um, from out of the advertising areas, you got people who progressed from just TV and advertising into movies like Ridley Scott, mm -hmm. Alan Parker, David Putnam. So it was really incredibly creative all those years you know and the color we went from being really gray really as a metaphor but really gray as a nation mm -hmm. to burst in with color with pop art and, yeah. and breakthroughs you know yeah so many levels so that's what this series is going to cover and it will follow four young mods two boys two girls in the first series mm -hmm. then a different four in the oh, second wow. series, then another four in the third series, because what happened to mods were they were very industrious and hard workers because they wanted to get money to buy their clothes. <laughs> um, so they ended up, um, as they grew older, in all kinds of walks of life, you know, lawyers, um, accountants, mm -hmm. you name it. 
they were mods, you know. So yeah. it's interesting, and it's my life, and it's the life I led. So yeah. I I know it very well, you know. Yeah. So there are three projects that I'm working on at the moment. Quite exciting, and, and yeah, and they're finite in the sense that an artist artist is not, you know, you carry on with an artist. Yeah. Hopefully for many years, mm-hmm. but when you make a movie, you make it, you launch it, you do your promotion and marketing, and mm-hmm. hopefully it doesn't ring you up in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> so, so projects are good. They're yeah. little. They're more like sort of self-contained, mm-hmm. like neat packages that you can then set aside, sort of. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, our being here in Vancouver tonight, um, I, I mean, I assume the Who have performed here before. Um, oh, many times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's kind of um, the vibe that you've gotten from their performances here in Vancouver before? Oh, great! But one in particular, I can't remember how many years ago now, but <clears throat> it's probably twenty-five years ago at least, mm-hmm. when they were really at their peak. So. I got lots of complaints about scalpers, you know, selling on tickets, etc. Before we got the organised secondary ticket market, right? But scalpers were selling on tickets and so on. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll do it limited amount of tickets. Yeah. Two per person by post. Wow. They ended up so. Of course, what people were doing was sending in multiple applications, and they got more posts. Than they did at Christmas oh my God. in Vancouver. It was insane, oh my God. insane, <laughs> and we had a special Who stamp. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So that's one of my memories of Vancouver. <laughs> of Vancouver. Just overwhelming mail. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I've got some memories of Canada as a whole. I mean, Vancouver, yes. Mm-hmm. Toronto, Montreal. Yeah. And uh, in the mad, mad days when Keith Moon was alive. <laughs> I remember we were in Montreal and. Um, after the show, the uh, the record company rep, in an effort to ingratiate himself with the band, mm-hmm. was mad enough to say, we'll all have a party in my suite. Oh my. I was in bed asleep. The door was kicked in by the Montreal CID. I was dragged out of bed. Oh no. Taken down to the station. Between them, Townsend and M- uh, Moon had smashed up the guy's suite, thrown the TV out the window. It was chaos. So we were all in the, in the uh, Montreal uh, police station, and um, I said to them, "Well, look, we've got a show in Detroit, you know, next night." I said, "Let them all go and keep me, and we sort it out." No, no, no. We're going to keep you all here until you pay the damages. So, oh, of course, no. the damages were like extortionate I mean three times as much three times as much as they really were and so we had to get the promoter in those days it was a man called Donald K Donald and he had to go around on a Sunday morning to all of his friends borrowing cash for us to pay them and uh, so we've got good fond and other other crazy memories (laughs) other types of memories of Canada, yeah, but oh in a, on the whole, Canada's been great to us, you know. Yeah. And we used to play other areas, you know, not only Toronto, Montreal, we played Hamilton, mm-hmm. Edmonton, you know, we used to play along Canada. Yeah, it's, well, it's a wonderful place. And, oh, it's um, great. Yeah. Um, are you excited to be back? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> At my age, Audrey, I'm excited to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
positive way of looking at things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to play for this audience, and yeah. I hope it is great. Well, for you guys, I mean, it's a buzz, isn't it, really? You know, that you're on tour, and yeah. it's great. And you and Katie are featured musicians, which is great. Yeah, there's really nothing to complain about. <laughs> it's good, good for your CV. Yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. Well, thank you, Bill. Well, it's my pleasure, really. And uh, <laughs> thanks for doing a little update all the time, you know. <laughs> you can do, on the last one after the next bowl, you can say, and they survived. Yeah, exactly. We all <laughs> lived. <laughs> and... And they're coming back. Yes. <laughs> next year. Exactly. Which is, like, check back up. Which we will do. Great. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Tour Diaries, and there's only one more episode left, at least of this chunk. Will there be more episodes? I don't know. But there will be at least one more episode after this one, and we're going to touch on um, basically the end of the tour end of that chunk of touring and um, tune in next time.